Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. A lot of people say that striper fishermen are some of the craziest fishermen and that duck hunters are some of the craziest hunters. If you're going to catch anything, you got to have an arm. The first couple of times I went out, it felt like I did a full arm workout. Growing up, I had learned so much from my dad, but I never really had women in my life who had this interest or who were developing this interest with me. It doesn't have to be this trip to Alaska or whatever it is. You can start with a chicken. As silly as it sounds, but like you can start that whole process with just getting chicken. Reach out to people you've never met. I mean, heck, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing with the podcast. This is Brenna McCoubrey of the She Does What podcast, and you're listening to The Wild Initiative. Put down your latte and pull on your boots. I've been blessed to harvest 22 of the 29 North American animals with my bow. My personal 24-hour record for death threats is 88. They will start putting two and two together and realize this is how you call bulls in. So when I go hunting now, that's the ethos I take with me. You know, whatever whatever this hunt is going to throw at you, you pull your big girl pants up and you get on with it. Giant bucks are freaking awesome. They're beautiful. But you know what? I would not trade this first puck for anything in the world. So I'm really, I'm a geek. Magicians and dragons and magic swords. <laughs> I shit you not, man. I'm the biggest dork in the gun business. I'm Freddie Hartay, Hollywood Hunter. This is Aaron Snyder. Hey, this is Trevin Stoltzfus with Outback Outdoors. This is Rihanna Carey. Hi, this is John Sloan of the Interviews with the Haunting Masters. You're listening to The Wild Initiative. Hey, y'all, welcome to episode 129 of The Wild Initiative. Today, I am sitting down with Brenna McCubrey of the She Does What podcast. Brenna and I have been actually doing some fun work together, uh, launching a new website for her. So to that regard, if y'all are looking to launch a brand or just upgrade your web presence from that online disaster that your quote-unquote tech-savvy nephew made for you, Make sure to hit me up. You can head to the website. Uh, I have a tab on there under media for marketing, design, and branding. 
So you can go out uh, and we can get you a quote, check out uh, some of my other work, and make sure to uh, upgrade your website from uh, <laughs> what it currently is that we don't really want to talk about. But anyway, on to today's episode. Super excited to have Brenna on. Brenna, thanks so much for joining me today. Awesome. Sam, thank you so much. I, this is weird. I'm being on the, um, the other side of the mic the first time. <laughs> I know. I've done, it, I've done it a couple of times myself, and it's, it's exciting, but it's, all, it's also kind of a relief sometimes. I've talked about it because you, you're like, wow, I don't have to like, think of the questions. I just get to like, answer stuff. It's, yeah. This is like, easy now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's it's fun. I'm I got to say I'm nervous. My heart's racing a little bit. <laughs> well, uh nothing to be nervous about as you know, these are all just kind of fun and simple simple podcasts, but uh so yeah. why don't you start out? I always like to have folks kind of introduce themselves and really just introduce how you got your start when it comes to the outdoors and hunting and fishing, things like that. Yeah, so I was actually thinking about it um, before we jumped on because I, that's a similar question that I ask all of my guests on the She Does What podcast. Um, I'm like, really, where, where did it really click for me that I love everything that there is to do with the outdoors? Um, growing up, I, so I grew up on Cape Cod, Cape Cod, Massachusetts, which is surrounded by water, salt water. And my dad was or is a saltwater fisherman. He Growing up, I just remember always him being out till past midnight chasing striped bass and didn't go over old with my mom. She wanted him home a lot more often than he was. Um, but now I see why he loves it so much. And that's really where it sparked my interest, um, just growing up, being around it and always eating striped bass for dinner. And that was just always the topic of every story at family gatherings with some fishing tale my dad had. Um, but I have to say, it wasn't really until college, which I just graduated college last June, which is crazy to think. Um, but it wasn't really until college where my passion for the outdoors really developed. Um, my parents got a divorce when I was in school. And when I went home, I was always trying to get up, meet up with my dad and figure out, hey, what do you want to do? Because I'd always go home and stay with my mom. Um, and then my dad and I would always try to figure out ways to get together. I mean, going out to dinner was always expensive or his house, whatever we wanted to do. And um, it always ended up being like, hey, let's go for a hike or I'm going duck hunting in the morning. Do you want to come? Or the, the high tides at eight o'clock. Why don't we go out, put, get your waders on and um, let's go out. And that being said, I didn't have waders in the beginning. So I was wearing all my dad's <laughs> old stuff. Um, but the more that I went out with him and we, I was just sitting in the blind with him shivering and somehow was really starting to love it and just seeing the sunrise. And it was just, that's really where it clicked for me. It was just spending time with my dad and realizing that um, this is something I could easily do myself. And that's really, I guess, where it clicked for me and where it all started. So um, what would you say what would you say is like your, your preferred thing to go do in the outdoors? Is it duck hunting? Is it fishing? Is it, I know, I know you have a passion for all of it, but what are your, what are some of your top favorites that you like to go out and chase? Yeah, well, I have, I gotta say, I haven't been out much and I have a million and 10 things that I have on my bucket list of what I want to go chase. Um, but just for accessibility purposes and what's around me, I grew up, like I said, saltwater fishing. So that's, 
my go-to. Um, didn't grow up fishing on a boat. I go fishing out with friends um, on their boats, which is really nice. You can just let them do their thing when you can leave, <laughs> and they have to clean it and all that. But no, we help them afterwards. But um, I would have to say wading out in the salt water um, of Cape Cod and just watching the tides. Saltwater fishing is really where the passion started, and it really stays true. And that's what gets me really excited is just gearing up and going out in the water um and then duck hunting too it's waterfowl hunting is something my dad has always done just like striper fishing um and like i said with accessibility on cape cod there's not a ton i mean if any public land where he could go out turkey hunting or deer hunting so it was really those salt marshes um where he could find some nooks and crannies and put up a makeshift blind um, and get out there in the mornings or jump the marshes in the afternoon. So that's really where, um, I guess, my two favorite things to chase are the stripers and watching the flyover in the mornings and seeing the ducks in the afternoon. That's really what I love to do. That's, you know, I don't, I don't have a ton of experience with fishing. I kind of, I grew up fishing and I pretty much fished the same, same lake the same spot you know off the same two rocks uh, (laughs) since I was about three years old and you know I can set up a I can set up tackle for that particular spot like like nothing else when it comes to pretty much anything else I'm I'm somewhat lost and uh I've I've gone I went ocean fishing uh saltwater fishing with my grandpa a couple of times off the pier but we never really got deep into it and that's you know something I've been wanting to do uh one to learn about along with duck hunting is those have been my two, two of my things this year that I've really wanted to, to get more into. Um, Yeah. Well, I have to say, it's funny. I, a lot of people say that um, striper fishermen are some of the craziest fishermen and that duck hunters are some of the craziest hunters because you're typically out. And I mean, of course the stripers in the summer, it's when the big, the keepers come in, but you're also in there early spring when it's still freezing cold and then with duck hunting in the winter I mean you're out there and sometimes zero degree weather and it's snowing or it's just you're sitting there um and where we are it's a lot more sitting than in Arkansas where you're just seeing thousands of ducks flying over you I mean typically down here it's or up here based on where you're listening but up in New England depending on where you are it's really you have one shot i mean they'll be migrating to a different part for in the morning and that sometimes is it that's all you get so it's you're kind you got to be kind of crazy to be sitting out there (laughs) and just waiting for that split second but yeah i mean saltwater fishing it's it's so much fun and like you said you know your tackle with where you're at but um there's so much that goes into saltwater fishing there's so many different kinds of it too i was gonna say it's yeah it's got a lot of variety. I mean, there's tons of, of different types of fishing when it comes to lakes and streams and things like that. But saltwater, you have, you have a ton of options, whether it's wading in, whether it's out on a pier, whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, close to shore on a boat, whether it's full, you know, deep sea, big fish. Miles from shore. Yeah. Um, and even within each of those, there's just countless amounts of variation. and um, and it's just, you know, for someone that grew up, I mean, I grew up in, in Orange County, you know, a uh, 15 minute drive from the, from the Seal Beach Pier. 
And, uh, you know, I just never, it was something I never really got into. And I definitely, mm-hmm. I definitely regret that. Uh, I wish, I definitely wish it was something I had spent a lot more time learning. But what kind of fish are out off of a pier out in California? Um, I, I would tell you if we'd ever caught anything. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's an honest fisherman. You don't come across those too many times. <laughs> to be honest, uh, I saw a lot of, um, we had honestly a lot of the, uh, the majority of people out there were, uh, Mexican dudes and yep. old Asian ladies actually, yeah. <laughs> uh, would be out there like That's all funny. day long. And they, um, they would always be reeling and I'd see a lot of different like uh, little stingrays and stuff. And I'd see uh, a lot of like small, small sharks. Mm-hmm. Many of the times, many times they're using like chicken wings or something too. That kind of, that kind of crowd. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'd be a lot of, a lot of live bait, a lot of like leftover, uh, leftover meal kind of bait too. Um, yeah, <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I remember. I remember those few times. There was a. Uh, it was just one one summer with my grandpa. He bought me an ocean rod, which I still have, and uh, just you know a heavier uh, heavier duty rod. Nothing I'm gonna go pull in a marlin with or anything. But uh, yeah, yeah, we went out, and I think in the entirety of that summer, we only caught one fish, and the thing was maybe about six inches long, <laughs> and just was the saddest looking thing. there's always some of those out there well i feel like we were always a day late and a dollar short when it came to uh what bait we were using and so you Mm -hmm. know one day you know we'd be using we'd go buy some bait and we'd be using this bait all day and then we'd be talking to the guys next to us and seeing what they were pulling it in off of and we're like okay they're using these anchovies that they bought from the, the bait shop here on the pier so we'd come back you know we'd pack we'd be packed up and we'd come back the next time and we'd pick up those anchovies and we're like, all right, we're going to use these anchovies. And then nothing's biting on the anchovies <laughs> and they're using something completely different. Yep. I think that's just been my case with fishing my entire life. doesn't matter whether it's ocean lake. I'm just, I'm behind the times on whatever I'm supposed to be using here. Yeah. <laughs> well, it can be tough. It definitely is. I mean, you talk about the heavier rods when I, first picked up a saltwater rod or a surf casting um, rod from surf fishing when you're not even wading out but you're on the sand it's heavy duty and if you're gonna catch anything you gotta have an arm like it's uh, the first couple times I went out I was sore I was sore (laughs) as heck the next morning it felt like I did a full arm workout and you just get used to it you get used to the motion but um, it is tough even like the transition from salt water to fresh and remembering like oh yeah I don't need to put all my effort into casting I'm just lopping it under the trees right here if you're in a lake or whatever it is so it's being able to switch that mindset and know that okay now I need to switch gears and use whatever it is for salt or fresh and um there's a lot that goes into it but yeah I gotta say those anchovies they might have eaten them all up (laughs) the day before oh yeah never never the luck but so tell me about the podcast. Tell me about She Does What. Gosh, yeah. So She Does What. Um, I was thinking about that earlier, too, about how just the name came about and um, this, that, and the other. But I guess, so the rundown. So She Does What podcast is 
a podcast and a resource um, for women and men if they want to listen um, for the next generation of hunters, really, to listen to each episode and gain something from it. At least one thing, if not a couple, because all of my guests that I have had on and have coming up are just so, have just so much knowledge and experience to share um, that I, I wanted to create a resource for those people that just say, I really want to learn about what it's like hunting in Africa. Okay, I'm going to go listen to this episode of, with Christina. I want to know how to cook wild game. I'm going to go listen to the episode with Bree down in Georgia. And growing up, I had learned so much from my dad, but I never really had women in my life who were who had this interest or who were developing this interest with me. So she does what was born. I was having these conversations with women on social media. Um, and asking questions and just following their pages and learning from them just by seeing what they're doing and how they do it. Um, and I DM them and get questions here and get answers. But then I was, I thought, well, there has to be other people that are doing this like I am that are DMing these women and bless their hearts for answering all of our DMs because <laughs> they've got a big following and a lot of people asking questions, I'm sure. So I figured why not pull all of this, all these conversations together and press record and then release it and see um, if, if it helps anyone else like it's helped me. So it's a learning process and it's, um, I have a little bit of a background in broadcasting. I did studied broadcast journalism for one year in college, which is not a lot. It's freshman year, but from that, um, I still had my passion for journalism and it's kind of evolved um, from that and blended with the, my interest in the outdoors. And um, there's still a lot that I need to learn. And thank you so much for all the help you've done with me um, <laughs> getting my website together. It looks freaking amazing. I'm so excited to have it launched and um, there's a lot to come with it. I just got to sit down and, and edit these episodes, but yeah, that's the short of it. It's um, it's been it's been so much fun. Well, and initially you kind of started you started off in a little bit of a different direction. You know, as as I was kind of going through your old episodes and through the website, I noticed uh, it didn't initially start out as she does what, correct? Yeah. So, I think it was early January 2018. I think early last year or the tail end of 17. Um, and again, I don't know what sparked that interest, but it was, or sparked that thought of let's do a podcast, but it was called Angler's Account. And what this was, um, it was kind of the basis, the same of learning from my dad and learning from his friends and local tackle shops and speaking with those shop owners about, um, saltwater fishing, what to use, this, that, and the other. Um, but it wasn't so much of an educational podcast, but more my idea of it was, speaking to, I guess, if you want to call it, quote, um, local legends of New England or Cape Cod and the islands, really Cape Cod, Nantucket, and Martha's Vineyard. Um, New England and Massachusetts specifically has such a lengthy history of saltwater fishermen, lobster fishermen up in Maine. And um, I thought it'd be really cool to put that into a podcast and hear these stories from these people who have been fishing these waters for years um and there's so many books about people fishing off the shores of cape cod off provincetown or um going out to the cannons and taking their boat up there or even just in the little coves and off the marshes and their kayaks 
there are so many stories to share and that have been shared in, in written books, but I have yet to have found something that was kind of an audio book per se, or like a podcast where you could hear from these people and hear the passion when they're talking about fishing, because anytime you talk to someone I and mean, even the hunting too, like you talk to somebody about, um, that monster striper they caught and they show you how big it was with their arms and they're usually exaggerating by a couple inches. <laughs> but um, I figured in, in a podcast, you could hear that enthusiasm. And I started with my dad. He is probably one of the most enthusiastic people you'll ever meet. But if you listen to the first episode, he was so freaking nervous. It was really cute. He was really nervous to talk and get be recorded knowing he was recorded. But um, he just has, he's, learned so much from rubbing elbows with people on the beach and driving his truck out there and meeting so many different um, people from all walks of life that either grew up coming to the Cape as a kid and they're from Texas or they moved up here recently um, and they're from the other side of the country, but they just have heard about the great fishing that is off of Cape Cod and they've, they want to experience it themselves. And he's, he has just met so many people. He should be doing the podcast. Like he has met <laughs> some incredible people fishing and have made lifelong friends that he still goes fishing with today that he met on the beach 10 years ago. So that's where angler's account really came from was just wanting to kind of take all of that and, um, and share it with the rest of the world. But that being said, I don't think as many people are as interested as new England is are interested in New England as New Englanders are because <laughs> I think we're just really, we, we're, you know, it's like people really love where they're from. So I think it just, I really narrowed myself in terms of growth um, because I want to see whatever I do. I want to see it grow and it ultimately help or inspire other people. Um, so I kind of broadened my horizon there and changed direction almost completely, but um, that was a fun start and recording with my dad as nervous as he was. Um, a lot of people say that's one of, that was one of their favorite episodes and I keep it up for that reason. Uh, that's fun that, you know, that almost seems like something you could take and you could have a lot of fun, you know, get, get a couple of GoPros or something and turn it into like a, a YouTube series or like a vlog yeah, or something. Yeah, like a vlog or something. Um, cause I feel like that could really be, uh, almost enhance, you know, with some, some good use of photos and, and, uh, video of the people and stuff like that, that you could clip in. So there you go. You, you, you get that one for free. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, good. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> my budget's almost out. Um, no, I think, I think it would be really cool. And I told my dad, he's not tech savvy. Everything he owns that is battery operated brakes and he swears that the technology just it's not working for him but i'm like you gotta get something and whether it's that gopro that you're talking about it's you gotta do something and just with permission record these conversations that you're having on the beach because how cool would that be just so candidly and um i really wanted to create it more into a blog too i only had three three episodes i think with angler's account before i changed direction but um I wanted to do do more of a blog and insert photos and things like that. Um, one of the the third and final episode of Angler's account was with Janet Massinio, um of Martha's Vineyard, and she's like a surf cast legend. She's so so amazing and was so much fun to talk to. And actually, I met her just 
through knowing who she was. But long story short, my dad rubbed elbows with her fishing off of Martha's Vineyard like 20 years ago. <laughs> um, so it just it kind of came full circle. And she has a book out, so people should go check that out. But she's it was really cool just getting to meet people like that. And I can still do that with my new podcast. Absolutely. So speaking of again of the new podcast, who are uh, who are some of the guests you've had on? What are what are some of the maybe topics you've covered? Uh, things you've you've personally learned since you started running this podcast? Yeah, gosh, I feel like I've learned so much, and I'm always going back to to the episodes as cringe cringeworthy as it is listening to my own voice. Um, it is a lot of fun to go back and when I'm thinking about something or what did she say, and I can go back and listen to that. But um. I would have to say, since I just talked to her earlier today um, on Instagram, Brie Van Scotter um, of Wilderness to Table, her and I, we met through social media. I think I started, I just started following her because of her interest in, or her expertise. And she's a, um, she's a chef and cooks wild game. She hunts for her own, um, her own meat and she's a certified spear fisherman. I think certified. I'm not sure. You kind of forget it. If you have to have a certification, I think you do or a certified diver, whatever it is. But what I learned from her and this story stuck to me big time because it's something that I wanted to do is she talked to me about, um, she didn't grow up a hunter. She did not grow up in the outdoors and getting her own meat like she is today. But what she did do is when she was in culinary school, she actually, I think it was um, a professor or someone in the industry had talked to her about raising chickens and she raised chickens and she watched them grow. She bought eggs and watched them hatch and grow. And then it came a day where she butchered her chicken and she ate it. And she just remembers like sitting down in her kitchen crying with that plate and just like, it, cause it was such an emotional thing. Not that she was attached to it like a pet, but the fact that she saw its life and how it gave its life to her. And she was able to create her own sources food from her backyard or wherever she had this coop. Um, so that really stuck to me. And it taught me that that's something like, I can do that too. Like I can get my own eggs. I can have a chicken in my yard. It doesn't have to be this big expensive excursion to get my own meat and fill my own freezer. It doesn't have to be a trip to Alaska or whatever it is. You can start with a chicken. (laughs) (laughs) As silly as it sounds, but like you can start that whole process with just getting chickens. Um, so I know that it's kind of funny to say out loud, but that was really inspiring just hearing that story and how she got started. And, um, so Brie Van Scotter with Wilderness to Table is one. Um, and I wish I had the episode numbers on top of my head, but, um, I want to say she was number five or so. Another one that I learned from is Cynthia Harkness. She is a woman. She's also local to Massachusetts where I'm from. And she used to work on Wall Street. She was big time on Wall Street. And I can't remember how she developed her her love for fly fishing. But she is the only woman in her family of boys uh, with her husband and her son. And she worked for Orvis. I met her when I took a uh, fly fishing one-on-one class with or- an Orvis-endorsed uh, fly fishing school. And um, I met her there. She was, I think, one of the managers at the retail shop down in Dedham, Massachusetts, but she had since left that job and she has started her own fly fishing outfit outfitter. Um, so she's now 
runs her outfitting business and she books trips on the Cape. She's going down to Belize. She was just recently in North Carolina. But the short of that is she was once in a, a woman's suit on walking down Wall Street and she decided to follow her passion rather than the money. And what I learned from that was just the fact that you can do whatever you want and you can make your passion into your profession. And I think that's really cool that she was just like, you know what, I'm doing this. Maybe my, like, people don't agree with it or whatever it is, but she just stuck with what she wanted to do because it made her happy and it makes other people happy, which entail makes her love what she does. So Cynthia Harkness is definitely one of them that has just really inspired me to want to continue doing this, um, this passion project of my podcast, but um, she's great. And another one I have to mention is Sydney Broadway. Sydney, I think, was one of the first female, I guess, outdoor influencers, if you want to call them that, um, influencing in a way of just sharing her, sharing her, her journey and her story of um, becoming a better hunter. And I say a better hunter, but just showing people that she can do whatever it is the guys are doing. And she grew up doing it. So it's not just like the thing that she's doing because everyone else is. Like she grew up with her granddaddy in a blind coloring a coloring book like she grew up in the woods and um I started following her because of she seemed like a big time waterfowl hunter which she is and she's from Alabama she now lives in Montana and I've just watched her grow from hunting in the flooded timber to now working with the wild sheep foundation um and seeing her outdoor um her outdoor interests, I guess, progress into broader than just um, waterfowl. So she's been really, really fun to, to follow and watch. And she's just such a sweetheart. And she's so kind and has such a nice soul. And if anyone wants to reach out to her for anything, she's like all ears and would love to help, whether it's styling tips for clothing, because she's got such cute taste or <laughs> just about just about anything. So it's been a lot of fun I'm meeting a lot of great people. And They've all welcomed me to come down wherever they are and do a little hog hunting or hunting in the flooded timber or just hiking, whatever it is. It's been really cool to just see people from all over the country, really. So you've gotten to talk with all these awesome people. And, you know, as you mentioned, uh, you know, you're fairly new, um, you know, comparatively new and you're still getting out there. You haven't done a ton what are what are some of the things that you're currently pursuing right now that that you're excited about? Um, you know, some of the uh, some of the ways you kind of want to stretch yourself, and and what are you doing to prepare for that? I guess. Yeah, so I think the biggest thing for me right now is really capitalizing on the resources that I have here. Um, I know saltwater fishing and waterfowl have been the biggest things that I've talked about, and those are what's most, I guess, easily accessible and I'm able to do because of um, whether it's going out with my dad and just seeing the spots that he goes out to, I really want to do that on my own. And I haven't done that yet. So I guess this is perfect time to talk about 2020 resolutions. Um, but it's really, what I really would like to do is just learn how to go out and prepare for a hunt and go out there on my own. And I know, I know a lot of people say it's dangerous and you need to be prepared. And there's a lot of things you need to think about before going out alone. 
Um, so I guess the first step would just be maybe going with a friend or with a boyfriend or with a boyfriend, my boyfriend, <laughs> going out with him. Just pick one, just pick one of your many, right? Just pick one of, just pick one of them. Um, but if, um, if anyone's listening, so go out with a boyfriend or girlfriend. Um, but anyways, so whether it's just going out with someone other than my dad, who's the one who's taught me everything I know, it's going out with other people and really broadening my horizon of, um, I guess my hunting friends, if you want to call it that, or even going with a friend who doesn't know how to hunt um, or has never been out in the woods. I really, my next goal and my next kind of mission for myself, myself is to either go out on my own and either whether it's in a kayak or go out and sit by the edge of a pond or in the marsh and really just take it all in on my own and try and do all the things that my dad has taught me without him being right next to me and saying, okay, we need to go to this spot or, Hey, why don't you blast one off and see if any birds come up from the other side of the marsh. Um, so it's kind of being able to make those own decisions, make those decisions on my own and figure out, okay, what do I need to do next? What time do I need to get up? What do I need to bring? How long do I want to stay out there? When is enough to call it quits? If the birds haven't flown yet, flown over yet, how much longer do I wait? Um, and I guess what I am doing to prepare that is I truly am looking at those waterfowl hunters. And I'm, I mean, I'm following, I follow mostly women, um, outdoorsmen on social media and I'm learning from them. I'm, I'm watching the hunts that they're going on. I'm seeing the things that they're doing and that they have, they are sharing with me. Um, but then I'm taking it a step further and I'm looking into the outfitters maybe they are at and if they have any resources, um, or blogs or things that they talk about and recommend, but I don't know. It's it's very nerve wracking to think about kind of going out there and when you get up to go duck hunting, it's dark and it's cold. So I think I think that's where it makes me nervous. It's I I would rather maybe go out in the evening into the woods, or I would rather come out of the woods in the evening than go into it in the morning because I've, I've been there all day. I know what what's around me before the night falls, you know what I mean? And then going out after the night happens. That's where I guess I'm getting kind of nervous is just being in the dark by myself. But um, <laughs> that's really my next big thing. Is I really want to be able to do it on my own. I'll tell you, it's, it's definitely something to get used to. And, uh, you know, I go through in my time in the woods, I tend to do a lot of solo hunting. Um, and yeah heck you were just in montana weren't you yeah yeah i was just there for six weeks um i mean i i hunted once or twice with people but most of the time you know i'm walking in and out of the woods uh in the dark by myself and um you know that's one one spot where i really started to challenge myself more and you know you get you get confident more the, the more you do it and Obviously, yeah, you always want to be safe and, uh, you know, especially I was out hunting in Montana. So, you know, being aware of <laughs> predators, uh, large furry predators out there, but, you know, and then also just being careful physically, making sure you're not going to trip over a tree trunk, things like that. And, um, you know, I would challenge myself to not, to keep my headlamp turned off as long as I could, you know, again, within the bounds of being reasonable and safe. Right. I'd always challenge myself and it got to a point and especially when you're hunting an area that you have hunted at, so, you know, for a week straight, things like that, you know, you start to get uh, a bit more comfortable with it. And, you know, I'm sure there will always be some nerves. Uh, you know, I go 
up into the gravelies or something where they got a quite a few grizzlies and uh i'm gonna i'm definitely gonna be a lot more on edge than <laughs> you know right uh yeah, yeah. Running, running through this piece of state land that's bordered by farms on all side but you know right. it's just it's part of your growth in the outdoors and things like that but that was always you know I, I think back to my first hunt and the first time that I got up well before gray light and uh started hiking into my spot and you know just every every glint off the snow every rustle of a leaf everything was just I was on such high alert and I swore it was a wolf coming to you know coming mm. in or a bear coming in yeah and, well I mean especially where you are too it's there's there's a, even more. I think my biggest concern would be people where I am just because it's so heavily populated, but being in a place like Montana, it's, I mean, you have to think of that, not only people, but I mean, even more so the other wildlife that's out there. And finding that balance of between safety and, you know, it, it takes a lot of, I feel like self-awareness and self-examination to really understand what are just your just your fears and what are legitimate right. concerns that you should be prepared for and, <laughs> you know it's, yeah. there's definitely I feel like some overlap in there and the more you experience the more you get out the more you grow and stretch yourself the more you'll realize you're like okay no I'm I'm prepared for this I know what I'm going to do in this situation I don't have to I might be a little on edge, but I don't have to be nervous about this anymore. And, uh, right. you know, I think that just comes with experience with which both of us are working on right now. <laughs> yes, we're working on it. Um, I would have to say too, I wanted to ask And on that note, I mean, waterfowl hunting is a little bit different and you're kind of in and out of there. You're not really, I mean, I'm sure there's people who are sitting in the timber, flooded timber all day. Like I've never experienced that. It's usually you're up at 4am or, whatever time the sun rises and you're there until probably 8 a.m. and then you go home and that's kind of it and then you decide whether or not you're going to go in the afternoon I mean that's been my experience of really hunting to the extent I mean I've sat in a blind a ground blind um for turkey but we have we're trying to figure out really where we can go we just my boyfriend and I just moved to New Hampshire so we're trying to figure out where we can go we have two and a half acres abutted our neighbor who has 40 acres and he just gave us permission to hunt that so I guess that's another one of my goals is to hunt alone and then also to just navigate his land and understand what's out there but what I wanted to ask you I'm getting off on a tangent but what I wanted to ask is what are kind of your things that you always make sure that you have when you're going out on a solo hunt not just for your hunting purposes but for personal whether it's your preference or what are necessities to be safe out there Oh, I always, I mean, my big thing that I always carry is I have, uh, used to be made by a company called Delorme. Now it's owned by Garmin, but I have my inReach. It's, okay. you know, it's a, it's like a little satellite messenger thing. Um, most people know of it because you can hit a big SOS button and the cavalry comes in and helicopters and airlifts you out if you, wow. you know, get attacked by a bear or fall down a cliff or something. Uh, but I, I mostly use it just, uh, for the messaging purposes, you can basically you can sync it with your phone or you can do it directly from the device, depending on what device you have, but you can send uh, basic SMS text messages via, uh, via satellite. So oh, wow. anywhere, you know, you don't have standard reception, you can, you can still be in touch. You can, 
you know, and this is one of those things, it's great for safety purposes, but it's also great for a little bit of sanity, a little bit of confidence, you know, because I go in, you know, when I go in, I'll go in a lot of the time for days at a time. And, you know, it's nice to be disconnected sometimes, but there's, especially if you're solo, it's nice to just be able to kind of have a little bit of real life injected in there too, to where you can just reach out and say hi to someone. Or if you do need some advice, like don't feel completely alone. Yeah, I can, you know, I've, there's been countless times I've reached out to folks and I'm like, Hey, I'm in this situation. What do you recommend I do? Um, Right. Or try to get tips. And uh, it's, that is like the number one, I, I can't say enough about um, about these Garmin inReaches, and now they make like a little teeny one because uh, they were were kind of heavy and bulky, but they make this teeny little mini one um, that I really really want. But yeah, it's I mean, one of those um, things where I'd be like, "Oh, that's cute! I really want that little thing. <laughs> <laughs> cute little device." Um, <laughs> that's definitely not the angle I was getting at, but. <laughs> no. It's so cute. Well, I got it. Does it come in baby blue? Is the question. Um, yeah. Okay, that's what I was. Robin's egg. <laughs> Robin's egg blue. There you go. There you go. Um, exactly. I think that device. It's the same device. Um, and I have an episode with her that I need to get posted because we had so much fun talking, and I just haven't edited it. I don't know why, but. Um, you have a, and you connected us, but your episode with Rihanna Carey, mm-hmm. um, and I think she talked about, is it that same device? It I could be that same one. After that episode I heard from you guys. There's a couple of other similar devices, um, but that's, I, I have a feeling it's probably the, the in-reach that she has. That's the most common one that everyone cool. uses. Okay. But yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, as far as necessities for like being out there solo. And I guess too, it, it depends on how long you're going to be out there. I mean, for like, I, I keep referencing yeah. waterfowl hunting. Cause that's my experience was you're in and out of there probably four hours. I mean, for sure things can happen. Things can absolutely happen when you're out there, whether you're by yourself or with buddies, something could happen. So you need to be prepared, even if it's a one hour, four hours or four days. Um, but it definitely depends on yeah. how much or how little you need to pack. Again, so much of it's dependent on how long you're going to be out there. Um, right. You know, if if I'm coming if I'm coming at it from like the perspective of you know, kind of like uh, how I was hunting a lot of the time in Montana this year, to where I'd go back to my car and camp by my car, things like that. Um, to where mm-hmm. I had you know I could quote unquote go back to civilization for for the evening. Um, right. I you know and that's I a mean, good stepping stone too is to be within walking distance or to be at least in in distance where you can get back to civilization when need be, but you're far enough away where you do feel like you're getting that experience of being off the grid. Yeah. And I mean, that's something I told myself this year is the, the prior two years, I, you know, I packed in pretty far. Um, and you know, it, it was like, okay, we're committing to this spot and I wanted to be mobile this year. So I stayed pretty close to my truck you know, and I'd hike in several miles every day and hike back out. But um, mm-hmm. from from that perspective, I mean, you know, it's it's just the basic stuff. It's always going to change depending on how long again and what hunt what hunt you're on. But you know, always having a good lightweight first aid kit. Don't just 
you know, don't just go buy one from the store, but think about, you know, what you would need in a first aid kit and get like a nice little lightweight bag from one of these outdoor companies that make them and, and put it in, you know, put in uh, whatever, think about how things could possibly go wrong and, and prepare for that. And Luco tape is the best thing on the face of this earth uh, for when you're old like me and you have bad knees and <laughs> bad ankles and you hurt yourself often. Um, being able to tape up <laughs> various joints that yeah. don't don't function like they should is always a nice thing. But yeah, I mean, it's really it's really all just dependent on you know. There's there's as far as like day more day hunts there's nothing all that special beyond you know those two items that you know being out there solo i would i would say you need you know what i'm far from the expert somebody may be listening to this and going this guy's an idiot but um, <laughs> yeah same with me but you know just from my experience it's you know you bring your hunting gear you know you just have to be prepared that you're going to be the only one carrying anything and um you know, you want to be able to, if you don't have someone there with you, even if you do have someone there with you, like all of this stuff is still critical right. gear to have because, you know, who knows if you're both in, you know, you're both injured, what, you know, what's going to happen. So it's just all, it's just all being prepared. But so from your perspective, you know, again, you're still getting into the outdoors, into learning about all of this um mm -hmm. if somebody came to you and said you know hey I, I listened to your podcast it's really inspiring I want to I want to do this sort of a thing but I don't I you know I don't know maybe they're from you know one of the more urban areas uh out in New England <laughs> and and they just haven't right. been exposed to all of this as much but they're interested in it um you know what kind of what kind of words of encouragement or words of wisdom would you would you give that person? Yeah, I mean, I think about I feel like I'm still very much that person, um, reaching out to people and saying, "Where can I get started?" I and I think I would say this to that person too. And although this isn't these aren't words of encouragement from me, um, but I would say to reach out to local um, organizations. When I moved to New Hampshire, is really I really want to get more involved in the outdoors because now I feel like I can. I'm not in in the city of Boston, I'm, I'm not, I don't have to drive three hours to get to like where I have one bar or service or, I mean, I would fish the Charles river, but that was kind of gross. And that was kind of it. <laughs> um, but when I moved when I moved up here, I really want to get more involved. So I would say to even the person that's living in Boston, come up here and let's hang out. Like, let's get coffee. Let's get together and talk about what you want to do. Um, and see where we can go from there. But I reached out to the local chapter and I say local, it's, New England wide, which is pretty big range um, <laughs> compared. I mean, it's all relative, but um, the Backcountry Hunters and Anglers group in New England, um, there is a New England chapter that, I mean, they're in uh, Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine, Massachusetts, and I think they even go down to Rhode Island. And, they Rhode Island, and I think they go down to Connecticut, which isn't really considered New England, but I'll let it slide. Um, <laughs> So they do a ton of different things. And I've traveled like an hour and a half to go do a 3D archery shoot in Yarmouth, Maine, but it was so worth it. So unfortunately, because we live in more populated areas, you do have to make the trip. 
but it's so worth it. It was so much fun. And I became friends with a couple of the people who were up there and they connected me with a local gal that's only 20 minutes. So I always consider that more local um, to me. And we're going to get together in the spring um, and hopefully do shoot some, shoot some arrows or go for a hike at um, uh, the state park that's in between us. So that would, would be my first go-to. And I mean, I have so many other things that cost a little bit more money that I would recommend that I still have yet to do um, and some that I've done. But I think my words of encouragement would be just reach out to people and don't feel, I mean, be vulnerable. Don't feel like you need to know what you're talking about or you need to know what you're doing when you're asking the questions. You're asking the questions because you don't and own up to that and understand that everyone started from, from somewhere. Everyone, not everyone was born with a shotgun in their hand. No one was. I mean, pretty cool if you were, but no one was. So it's just one of those things. Where, and I think I've just recently accepted it, too. It's like it's okay not to know. Um, and it's even more okay to reach out to people you've never met. I mean, heck, that's why social media is so great. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing with the podcast is because I'm reaching out to these people, men and women, um, and just saying like, hey, what would you recommend for um, I want to go out for my first turkey hunt. What kind of like shotgun would you recommend? Or what kind of camo would you like? Just little things like that. Um, so my words of wisdom would simply just be, just be vulnerable and know that it's okay to ask the silly questions because the person that you're asking those questions to was probably asking somebody else before they came, became quote a professional or just more experienced. Um, so that would be it. Just, just know that it's okay that to begin. You just got to start and you just got to reach out to people, whether it be a local fly shop, there's tons of those around the cities, um, or at least Boston. I don't know, I mean, depending on where the person is, but just do some research and see what's around you. All right. So if folks wanted to find you online, find the podcast, maybe check out this incredibly attractive put together website that you have. Where can they uh, hunt you down? Yes. So they can find me. Um, my personal Instagram is BS McCubrey. Um, and then you can check out the podcast at she does what podcast is the social handle. And then also the incredible website designed by yours <laughs> truly. Sam, um, your fabulous host. It's brennamacubri.com. And then you can check out, um, I'm working on my blog. I know it's a work in progress, but working on my blog. And then there's a podcast tab that you can go and check that out. The podcast is now on iTunes. Hallelujah. It's so much easier for everyone to find. <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess those are the three avenues. You can, you can find me. Fantastic. Well, I will make sure to link to all of those on the show notes page. That'll be thewildinitiative.com slash 129. People can check out everything over there. Make sure y'all head on over to the website, check it out, and uh, subscribe to the She Does What podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you love to hunt down your podcast. Brenna, thanks so much for taking the time to hop on today. Awesome. Sam, thank you so much. It's been really fun to be on the other side of the, the mic and I uh, hope to do it again. I got to have you on a special male guest. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. All right, Sam. All right, y'all. That'll do it for episode 129 of the wild initiative. Make sure you check out the show notes page at the wild initiative.com slash 129. Give Brenna's podcast a subscribe and check out the website. Also make sure to hit me up if you, uh, 
have any website design needs. All right, y'all, it's been fun. That'll do it for today. But until next week, I hope this podcast inspired you to get involved, get outdoors, and plan your initiative for the wild. Thank you for listening to The Wild Initiative. Please take a moment to leave a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher and head on over to thewildinitiative.com to get show notes, check out the blog, gear discounts, other podcasts from The Wild Initiative family, and more. 